Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Even before the pandemic, strippers in San Francisco faced difficult working conditions. And this is even though they fought for stronger labor protections in the past. Then COVID hit and dancers were laid off. But it also created an opportunity for organizing and support that wasn't there before. And it's really puzzling to me and baffling that such sexually powerful people feel so powerless and stay feeling so powerless because they're not powerless. Today, what the pandemic has been like for strippers who were laid off and how some have started organizing to make working conditions in clubs more equitable. I'm Devin Kadiyama. welcome to The Bay. I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. I live in North Beach, so that's sort of how I came to be interested in this story and sort of getting involved in it. This is Catherine Hurd. She's a reporter and student at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. And she's been reporting on the rise of organizing among Bay Area strippers, along with her colleague, Ellie Lightfoot. North Beach is actually a historic red light district in San Francisco, which a lot of people don't know. Dancers come from all over to dance in North Beach. It just has a really rich um, sort of culture of nightlife uh, concentrated in that area. We realized, like, in North Beach that there was just, like, a bunch of clubs down one block. So we're like, well, at least conveniently, we can just kind of, like, go door to door at this point and, like, figure it out. I started talking to one specific dancer named Vixen who's been dancing in North Beach for 
two years at a historic establishment there. I'm Vixen. Um, most recently worked in North Beach, but have also worked in Chicago, Las Vegas, and Florida, Orlando. Vixen is a 25-year-old um, stripper of color. Um, she's identifies as queer and gay and has been a traveling dancer for a really long time. There's very few very integrated clubs that I've worked at. There's still very much segregation in the strip club industry to the point that it's literally identified as a black club or a white club. Her experience in North Beach um, inside the club uh, and all of her experience prior to starting in North Beach is sort of what um, you know triggered her to feel the need to bring about change within the industry. Racist strip clubs is all throughout the country. Like it's just the standard, it's an open secret. Ellie, I want to turn to you and ask, what was Vixen saying she experienced at the clubs? So first of all, she experienced blatantly discriminatory hiring practices. I got up there. I was up there for maybe, I don't even know if it was a full 30 seconds, but the manager walked out of his office and literally like I saw him mouth the words no and he turned around and walked back in. Like he didn't even watch me dance. It was like he came from behind a door, looked and basically in his head was like, oh, she's black, no, and walked back in. And so the house mom came back to get me and was like, yeah, so the manager decided it's no for you. And I was like, oh, um, did he say like why? I'm just curious if there's something I can do better. Maybe I'll come back and audition in the future. And she's like, we don't disclose that. And I was like, oh. Catherine and I have spoke to many dancers uh, in North Beach. And uh, the, the system of the club is not set up in a way to foster solidarity between dancers. The club managers have a lot of power over the dancers. Like you had to rely on yourself because if you went to management, they kind of just laugh it off and make a joke of it. Like nothing involving like our feelings, our experiences, like none of that was really taken seriously. They're not really allowed to talk with one another about workplace conditions. Anything from, you know, discrimination from the managers themselves or customers or anything or, or pay differences, they're not, they're not allowed to talk. If you do complain to managers, a lot of the times you're blacklisted from ever working in another club owned by Deja Vu, which is a huge corporation in, in North Beach. They have this entry and exit system in the club called Club Tracks. Hmm. And um, you you sign in using your thumbprint and social security number and like ID and it's really intense. So if you're blacklisted, um, you you're banned from even physically entering the club again. You get on that list, you got to go work out of town because you're screwed. <laughs> you know, clubs don't have an HR department, really. I mean, there there is a corporate HR for deja vu, but the manager said, if you call HR, you're fired. Um, so there's just no recourse in addressing concerns. Because like, God forbid, a dancer actually stood up for herself and went off on a customer for violating her, the dancer would get in trouble. And so that sounds like it makes it almost impossible for the dancers to speak up. Vixen's only through line to formalized complaints 
is through club managers. And that's not unique to Vixen. That's all dancers. And the interests of dancers and the interests of club managers are not always the same. So there's sort of a get in, get your money and get out sort of mentality. And a lot of these issues exist under the radar. What happened to strip clubs in San Francisco when the shelter in place orders went into effect last March? They closed down fairly soon, which just put a lot of dancers out of work. Once the clubs closed, strippers had to find alternate ways to make ends meet. And one of those ways was, you know, signing up for websites like OnlyFans. It's it's often a hard transition to make to, you know, transform your performance into a different platform. But strippers are doing it and um, they're having success with it. With clubs closed down, there's some obvious benefits. Um, It's given dancers space away from being in the direct line of fire with their managers, though they're out of work and they've been facing those struggles. It's allowed them to sort of take a step back and reimagine what a workplace could look like when clubs do reopen. And I think that, you know, with BLM and the protests that erupted this summer, um, there's just been a lot of movement and time and space to hit the streets and talk about what needs to change. Like Catherine said, the the BLM protests in June really had a huge effect. Um, There was one in particular in Portland that was led by POC uh, dancers and strippers to talk about these issues, to talk about discrimination in the strip club. When I saw that going on, I got even more inspired because I was like, oh my gosh, like what? Someone's doing this? Like they're going on a whole strike and finally like holding these clubs accountable. You know, she thought now is the time. I'm so nervous. I get scared of public speaking, but you know, the sacrifices we make. (laughs) In July, uh, Vixen began talking to other dancers and talking about how this might be a great moment to, you know, bring some of these issues to light. So they organized a march in North Beach and brought their signs and got a crew and it grew to be about more than 200 people. I want the discrimination to stop. You know, I want the profiling to stop. I want the segregation to stop. I want all of those changes. The same thing for any other industry, any other business, the same standards that any other company or establishment would be held to. I expect us to be included in that because we're human too. It's not like it was easy for her to make this decision. I mean, she's putting a huge target on her back. Um, these, the, This March was happening right outside of the club that she works at. I definitely had to make sure I covered myself if I wanted to still be employed after all that, because I, I for sure made waves bigger than I thought I would in such a short amount of time. What are the dancers trying to do? What do they want? I think a big thing um, that they want is anti-discrimination clauses in their contract that would create an actual method of recourse to address racism in the club. Um, That's a huge thing. I think some people are really interested in unionizing, but at the same time, there's still this kind of underlying fear of being identified as a stripper, like by name, um, Hmm. and that's not gone away. So that's another huge hurdle. It's really puzzling to me and baffling that such powerful, such sexually powerful women sexually powerful people 
feel so powerless and stay feeling so powerless because they're not powerless. Antonia Crane is a former dancer. She's danced for 25 years. Um, she began stripping in San Francisco at the Lusty Lady, but she herself was blacklisted and not allowed to dance anymore. So since then, she's been an educator and trying to advance this fight for unionizing. And the reason why it's important is because we are a workforce. And when we are a workforce, we can be together and be a community of workers to fight for better. And when you're a community of workers fighting for better, there's unity there. And you can join forces and lock elbows and say like, no, 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 no. We need this anti-discrimination policy. And what's happened since the protest and since this group has, has organized like Ellie said, there's just this big conversation about like what next steps could be. I think this isn't a done deal. A lot of people are still really scared and don't know what that means. You know, a lot of people aren't just like down to unionize. Um, I mean, yeah. it's going to take a lot of educating and a lot of resources and a lot of understanding what that means. Like a lot of strippers yeah. don't know what their rights are. And there's a big trend in the industry to sort of like, okay, well, if they're going to start creating noise, we'll fire them and bring in new dancers who won't create as much of a fuss. So there's a lot of fear. But I think with this movement we've had since the march and where Antonia is right now, they're going to be pushing as hard as they can to try to get as many dancers on board in this virtual environment to make this an effective move. Yeah, I'm curious, what what how have the club owners reacted to this? Has there been any communication or, or, or like talks of any sort of compromise or negotiations around these ideas? So I'm in touch with actually a club owner at the club that Vixen danced at. And I've brought a lot of these questions, concerns, and comments to him. He's been a bit iffy on trying to get on the record, I think, because first off, he definitely doesn't want to say the, the wrong thing. But obviously, he's also under the watchful eye of corporates, you know, who's looking down and, and making sure that he isn't messing up their business structure. From the conversations I've had with him about the march, about the movements, he has said, there is another side of this story. There is a perspective from the corporate side. And when he, I think, it gets his sort of narrative patched up with corporate and they're kind of on the same page and they have like something to move forward with, we'll have a better idea on where they stand on this. sounds like there's just a lot of mixed emotions around the pandemic. Like on the one hand, dancers were laid off, but they also now are trying to do this work to change the industry, make it better for when they can go back to work when the pandemic's over. Do the dancers that you talk to, including Vixen, want to stay virtual or are they excited to kind of go back to, to work in a club when the pandemic's over? Um, I think Vixen is... I don't know if excited is the right word. I think she's ready to go back to the club um, just because, you know, it's really hard to live off unemployment and she does enjoy performing and this, you know, she, she chose to do this. She's ready to get back into the club and and try to make make the club a different place. It's a fantasy. The whole industry is built off a fantasy. Some like I'm thick, some like I'm skinny, some like I'm tall, some like I'm short. Like, 
let women be what they are and flourish and bring your club money for being themselves, <laughs> you know? That would be really, really nice to not get turned away for having braids or having an afro or being too brown, like at the very bare minimum. <laughs> I feel like, you know, 200 people showing up alongside her and ha I'm feeling like there's more of this community rather than what was happening before, which is essentially like dancer against dancer and very cutthroat, like you were saying. Does she feel like she has more power going into it? Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And I think there's a new community that's, you know, that's been created by this march um, that is wider than just the, the club she used to work at. You know, POC dancers didn't have a chance to, to talk with one another and kind of discuss racism in the workplace. Um, but that's changed. And this conversation is a huge step towards making concrete change. It's kind of hard to even imagine that, like, these conversations could be a step in the right direction, but they really are. Dancers from club to club weren't talking to each other. You weren't even talking to people within your club about what was going on at work. So, um, you know, just the fact that this, this conversation is becoming national is a huge thing. Catherine says it's important for dancers that the problems within strip clubs become more and more visible. And she says the broader community has a responsibility to pay attention to the story too. Discrimination can't just continue to exist in the strip club industry because nobody talks about it and they leave it in the shadows of the culture of nightlife. Thanks to Catherine Hurd and Ellie Lightfoot, both students and reporters at UC Berkeley's Graduate School of Journalism. This episode was produced by Erica Cruz Guevara, Asal Asanapur, myself, and our editor, Alan Montesilio. We get help each week from Issa Mendoza. Our intern is Shaylin Martos. We are made by your local public media station, KQED, whose podcast leadership team is Jessica Palachek, Erica Aguilar, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and Tali Kernan. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it from us. Talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 